Hey guys, I just wanted to quickly preface this episode of the podcast by saying that if you are currently dealing with any issues regarding your mental health, addiction, or substance abuse, there is always someone to turn to, whether it's a friend, a parent, a teacher, or a coach. I'm always here for you if you need someone to talk to. And in addition to that, I'm going to be putting the phone numbers for Wellness Together Canada and Kids Help Phone in the description. Both are 24-hour services and they are completely free. I know this can be a scary topic to come out and talk about, but I really do think it's beneficial to have a support system of people who care about you to help you get through this. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Informal Education Podcast. This is episode two, and I'm joined by my good friend Shane. How's it going, Shane? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on, man. So today we're going to talk about your life and you know kind of how we know each other and a bit about your struggles with addiction now for as long as i've known you you've always been this you know big personality great guy always you know life of the party but as you said when i asked you about doing this you don't think that a lot of people know you for you and instead they actually just know you for what they hear from you um yeah i completely agree with that uh it's what we talked about yesterday it's just I've done a lot of controversial things throughout high school. A lot of people know me for stupid things I've done or, I don't know, stories they've heard. My name likes to get, I don't know, put out there a lot. And I feel like people don't actually know me for me. They just hear stories. Like, I'll hear all the time people I've never, I don't even know who they are, will be like, oh, yeah, the, the Shane guy. I'm like, well, I'm Shane. And, yeah, I've never I've never done that. Yeah. So, definitely. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, now, the, the whole Shane Train personality, where did that, that, that kind of figure that you have, is, is that like a party thing? Is, is that a nickname like, you were given? Name? Yeah. So it actually started off as a football thing because yeah. I used to be a little bigger. So I play running back, so I kind of like run people over. I was a little bigger. And then that's where it started, and then it became a party thing. Yeah, it kind of evolved. Uh so basically how we know each other is from high school. Now we were at, we attended the same high school, which I currently attend, but you left two years ago. Uh, we're not going to go into why you left, but now you're in Collingwood, right? Yeah. And how are you liking Collingwood? Uh, it's definitely a little different. I don't know. I like it up here. It was kind of like a little fresh start that I needed to better myself. All my close friends are still in Toronto. So that part does suck, especially with the lockdown. Yeah, uh, it's really hard to. Well, for starters, we're not supposed to be seeing anyone right now. But I mean, just in COVID in general, we don't really have any up here, so it's definitely difficult to try to go see the boys when they're in hotspot areas. But uh, I don't know. Overall, it's nice up here. I like it, especially in the winter. Lots of skiing. I teach skiing, so it's pretty good. And do you still are the slopes open? They're not. They're closed until like the lockdown's over. They'll reopen though. Um, yeah, okay, because I saw, I saw yeah. some people going skiing, like people that I knew. So I would just, I didn't really know how that was happening. Yeah, they had to close it. It didn't really have anything to do with the COVID risk. It was that the ICUs are getting full and there's so many ski injuries. So they just oh. couldn't have skiing fill up the hospitals. Have you ever had like a bad injury? Not a severe one, like knock on wood, but like I, I've dislocated, I dislocated my shoulder once. I've, I have a bunch of lingering shoulder injuries, so it wasn't the end of the world, but nothing serious. So, uh, I see. You grew up in Toronto, right? Were you born here? I actually didn't. Oh, you so didn't grow up in that's Toronto. Another thing, I didn't move to Toronto until grade ten. 
Grade nine. Wait, wait, you weren't in our school in grade nine? I was at your school, but I lived in Markham. Oh, okay. All right. So you, you were born in Markham? I assume? Yeah. Born and raised. Born and raised. So what was, what, did you like Markham? How was it different from Toronto? So, okay, I'm going to try to sound politically correct here. Um, it's not diverse whatsoever. Okay. Not, not saying there's anything wrong with that. Actually, there's nothing even wrong with, with saying that. It's just a, it's a stat. There is yeah. very, it was a very, like, there was no, like, Caucasian people there, which isn't bad, but I'm just saying it's a completely different, different landscape. Like, I'd probably say in my entire grade, there was about three, four white kids or kids of other races, too. Um, it was a very predominantly like, Chinese area. I see. So it was, it was a completely different culture. Like, I grew up, like, um, a lot more sheltered than most people would because it was just such an innocent an innocent place like I grew up in a little suburban neighborhood um I went to a private school I wore a blazer and a polyester tie every day um so it was definitely different moving to Toronto okay so how was it like being a minority <laughs> yeah that, that's the funny thing that was the word I was looking for is I was the minority as a white kid which was uh which was definitely really weird but you know there was no issue with it Right. Because, you know, that's what I grew yeah, up with. You've seen both really... sides, both sides. Now, you know how uh, how we feel in Lawrence. Yeah, Park. I, obviously, the, there was no discrimination, anything like that. But I never thought anything of it because it was just where I was. Yeah, from, of course. And do you still um, have a lot of friends from Markham? Not really. Okay. Uh, like I, I have uh, I have like one buddy that I've known since like grade one that I still talk to. I see. Um, but yeah, other than that, a bunch of us kind of split up. So you moved uh you moved to toronto in grade 10 to be closer to school i assume yeah so in grade like when we were in grade eight right like the house mark the like the real estate was booming so we were trying to sell our house yeah. and all the houses were selling really quickly so we thought our house would sell by like october of grade nine or something so i didn't want to have to switch schools halfway through the year so i started off at lawrence park in grade nine thinking our house would sell within a couple months but then it never did like our house didn't sell until like may of that year so i was driving from markham every day so that's a long i know because my mom used to work in markham that's like an hour drive to school every day Yeah, every day like i stayed with i'd uh stay at friends houses as much as i could oh, okay but um yeah it was definitely a long drive for my parents to make every day so how was your uh how was your like upbringing? Any anything like special about your childhood? I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say anything specific. Like, like I said, it was like a pretty, pretty normal, like a suburban neighborhood. Yeah. Um, like nothing, nothing really special up until like high school. So, how was your relationship with your parents? Oh, so, my mother and I don't talk. Okay. Like I, I live with my dad full time. Um, and I think that will kind of lead into our conversation of like all the, the substances, like we said. Yeah. So my parents got divorced, like start of grade eight, grade nine, some, some around that time frame. So my, when I moved to Toronto, I was living with my mother and my dad moved up to Collingwood, but I didn't want to live in Collingwood. And at the time I didn't have any issues with my mom. Yeah. And then she had like her boyfriend that lived there she had another kid 
And then that's kind of when shit hit the fan. And that divorce was hard on you, I assume, as it would be with anyone, but especially since you were like, you know, a, like a, a, a teenager, I, I'd assume. I, I'd say a little bit for sure. Um, actually, well, probably more than for sure. I think it was just because I grew up an only child, right? So just that massive transition, like I lived in the same house for 15 years, only child. And like I said, you're a lot more sheltered in Markham. And it was just a very drastic change that uh, didn't really go too well. I see. Okay. So when, when around these times do you think was your first time uh, using a substance, whether it be alcohol or anything? So that, that's another thing where people think I was just like some drunk since like grade seven or something. I didn't have my first sip of alcohol until grade 10. Grade 10. And that's just where, where yeah, like everything kind of spiral became, be, began. Yeah grade 10 because that's when i moved to toronto that's when my mm. mom got her toronto house moved in with her boyfriend that's when everything hit the fan I so see. yeah it was like grade 10 i remember just before halloween it was the first time i was like left alone overnight mm-hmm. and i had no idea anything about alcohol right and there was like some like malibu rum or something in the house like it was like some like coconut shit like 20 yeah. percent some so like vacations though. Like I had no idea what it would do to me. So like, I killed the whole bottle within like half an hour. The whole bottle of rum. Yeah. For your, your first no time. Idea. Yeah. Like I was a little idiot. I had no idea. I've never drank before. Uh, not even I, like a beer. No, like obviously I've had like sips of alcohol, stuff like that. Yeah. But I was like some innocent, weird little kid from Markham. And so you downed a whole bottle of rum home alone. No, I had people coming over. Oh, okay. You had, that was okay. the whole thing. So it wasn't, right, yeah. it wasn't, I wasn't peak alcoholism. Like, this is my first time. I remember I just had a sip of it. And because like, I had no idea how strong anything was. It tasted like sugar. So I thought it would be like a beer or something. Like, I had no idea. Oh, like, oh like okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, I guess. Yeah. So my goal wasn't to fucking be as obliterated as I was. I was yeah. just an idiot. Like, I had no idea how strong it was. And so then suddenly you, you started doing it more and you know, with more, more parties, more, more drinking, and that all kind of started to build up, right? Or was it really slow? Um, it was definitely, it was definitely super slow. Like I remember I probably didn't have another drink for like a month and a half, two months. Cause I was like, fuck this. I don't want to do that again. But, uh, around the winter, it wasn't negative, but that's when like the full partying, like, like the party animal kind of started like life for the party. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad though. Like I didn't really have any major issues like there was a couple a couple little things where i drank too much got in a couple fights at a party but like it was just normal drunk idiot stuff it wasn't anything serious and then i'd probably say summer grade 10 going into grade 11 actually no it was like march march kind of shit started hitting the fan and so would you would you say that it was it as big as people made it seem or it was really like not that terrible. So it all, it all depends on like the, the time frame and what people are saying, because at first it was like a playful thing. Like it was just kind of like a joke, mm-hmm. but then it also, it became like an identity. Like I remember I post stuff on my old Snapchat story, like drinking stuff like that. It became like, yo, like this guy's sick. Look how much he's drinking. Like it became like an obsession. Like an image. It gave me yeah, an image, an image for you. that I wanted to uphold. I uh, see. And how did this affect your school life? Oh my god! In school, in grade ten, I got like two credits. And did yeah. did it, was there any uh, 
you don't need to obviously name a name, but was there a teacher that kind of pulled you to the side or, or like a coach that said like, Shane, like, I really want you to succeed. You need to get your shit together. I didn't really have that. So that was kind of a thing where I was kind of just going through a bunch of the shit myself. Cause like I said, the thing yeah. with like my mom and I, like we were not getting along. Like I, I there was a time where I moved out for like two months in grade 10. Alone uh, I was at a friend's house for two months. Okay. So yeah, like we were not getting along at all. So I definitely found drinking. It was your started, became an identity and then it kind of became like a little coping thing, which you don't think about it as coping at the time. Yeah. But like looking back on it, it completely was. So do you think had you had a figure like a coach or a teacher or some some authority figure if you had them kind of tell tell you that they believed in you tell you that you know if if you had someone to to really push it into you that you need to stop this and that it's it's not good for your future do you think that would have helped later on because like I said at grade 10 like I was very private about this like I don't like my parents barely even knew I drank like it was very like I kept to myself because there wasn't any serious issues, right? So everything was kind of, okay, it's just a normal high school, high school, like drinking a couple, like on the weekends. Yeah. They had no idea how big it was. Um, and then I remember, this is actually kind of a funny story. So in March, like this is like grade 10, like I said, it's still not bad yet. So I'm like basically 16, like I'm turning 16 in a couple of days. I'm in Mexico for March break. Yeah. And it's like, all-inclusive drinks whatever so i'm drinking all the time i'm loving it there's uh grad trips in from texas i'm having the time of my life and then there was one night i went out they had like a nightclub on uh like at the hotel yeah and um so i don't remember this my dad's like whatever like be home one o'clock midnight whatever it was and then he gets a knock at the door at, like one in the morning he just thinks i'm drunk or something like drunk you know probably lost my key I'm in a wheelchair with vomit all over myself with a oh Mexican police officer, fully like machine gun everything, and uh, the hotel security guards. Jesus Christ. So that was uh, where he was kind of like, man, you're an idiot. Just from like rum and cokes? I don't know. what, it, what it, That's what you drink at a resort, I guess. Oh, everything, man. Because like, it was like an all-day thing. Damn, and you pulled that, up in a that wheelchair. Was like, that was kind of where it picked up because it was just like a long time. Like I remember I had a week in Mexico. Then I came home on my birthday. I had the house to myself for a couple nights. So it was party, party, party. Then St. Patrick's day right after. Yeah. So like, it was like a two, three week period of just party, party, party. And then I think that's where I kind of developed a little bit of a party habit where I was partying before, but I mean, it wasn't really an issue until then. Now, I just want to, for folks at home, I just kind of want to take a minute to talk about the the science of addiction and, and substance abuse. So substance abuse affects the tissue function in the brain. That's where, you know, a lot of the problems begin to start. The two parts of the brain that are affected by drug use, the main parts, are the limbic system and your cortex. Now, the limbic system is deep in your brain and it's responsible for your basic survival needs, you know, eating, drinking, finding shelter, sex, caring for the young, 
And uh, when you when you fulfill these needs, you you know you release dopamine in your brain. Now, after doing these essential things, after fulfilling your you know after surviving, your brain sends a message to a place called the amygdala and the hippocampus, and these record the good feeling you get, the the satisfaction. And by recording them, it it, it essentially makes your your brain want to seek it again. So you're rewarding yourself for surviving and in turn you are, you know, you're looking to survive again and again. You want to keep doing these things that fulfill you, uh, your basic human needs. Now, addiction also affects the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that handles decision-making and impulses. This is also the part of the brain that we have that animals don't. This is, this is where we are a step above of most other animals. Now, drugs and alcohol, they actually activate the exact same dopamine system as you know, fulfilling your human needs. Uh, the drugs and the, the alcohol and whatever substance it is, they infiltrate your brain or they, they send messages infiltrating your brain and they weaken that same dopamine system. And in turn, you feel like you need to continue abusing instead of, you know, eating, drinking, finding shelter, all, all your basic human needs. Slowly, the drug abuse begins to replace what you should actually be doing. And that's one of the major causes of the, you know, no motivation. You know, a lot of a lot of addicts find they they wake up and they have no motivation to do anything but abuse. And essentially, your brain just ends up needing more and more of that substance to stimulate you because you're no longer stimulated by things that a human should actually be doing. And again, this starts damaging your brain tissue, decaying your brain. You lose brain cells even from uh, abusing and Certain factors can make people more susceptible to addiction. You know, genes, if you have just uh, an addictive gene in you, maybe your, your parents had a similar problem. And age of first use. And uh, like, luckily, brain scans show that with proper treatment, detox, stuff like that, you can begin to heal. But it just goes to show how deep the problem is and how it, it essentially, substance abuse rewires your brain to want to continue abusing. And that's kind of the... The downward spiral that a lot of addicts go down. So now, Shane, I'm just going to take a, a little uh, bit to ask you some of the questions that I got on Instagram, in case, you know, anyone's listening um, doesn't know. Oh, you, you want to say something? Yeah. So just your little uh, explanation there. One thing that I don't, I don't even know how I forgot. Like I said, I'm, I'm like, I'm on social media all the time, but I'm typically quiet. Like I don't really, I keep to myself. Like, I'm not a quiet person, but when it comes to my personal life, I'm very quiet. So just when you're saying some of these things, bring up memories. So you're talking about this dopamine. I'm not going to get into a bunch of other substances, but so in grade 10, I don't want to say depressed because I don't like, I don't, I don't like to use that word. I feel like everyone's depressed in their own way, but I was definitely at a low point and um, I started taking like these Vyvans, like, oh, that's the only one I'll say. Vivan, it's like an ADHD stimulant. Oh, like Adderall, kind of. More than Adderall. Adderall just makes you focus. This was like it, it releases dopamine, and I would I began taking it all the time. It's like I couldn't function without it because it, it gives you like a high of happiness. Yeah. Like if anyone ever saw me in grade ten, like super jitty and like talkative, 
that was that was why like a bunch of people didn't really wow. know it. they'd think that was normal because i was just i was like all uppity and you stuff were like that. that explains a lot a couple oh, times wow. that's kind of where it where it started was because it was like a false sense of uh i don't know what to call it, fulfillment maybe exactly that's and a great way like, to put it you couldn't i couldn't go without it because the lows were so low and then when you're coming down off something like that it's it's crazy and that's where people uh i remember i saw it on your instagram so i think someone asked about gateway or something yeah i'll let you get into that but uh so yeah that can be the first question i think that that makes sense to be the the first one do you think gateway drugs are real one thousand percent okay which one which ones yeah so what, what did it for you I don't agree with people saying marijuana is a gateway drug. Like I never smoked. I hate it. I've always been a paranoid person. I don't think there's anything wrong with smoking weed whatsoever. Like all my closest friends do it. They're it's fine. Like they function, they're good people all like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I never did it because I, I freak out. Like I said, I'm a very paranoid person. So we just raised all of that. So I never liked that. So I had no problem with weed. So I don't think that's a gateway drug whatsoever. But mine was the the Vyvanse. Yeah, that, that, that puts you in a more serious stuff. It became a stimulant. So you'd have to take more and more and more and more. And then eventually it just didn't do it for you. You had to move it to other things, which I did, which I won't get into. Yeah. But to stronger stimulants that can start to become very dangerous. Did you find that you were spending a lot of your money on on substances 1000 percent. like uh in grade 10 alone i didn't spend too much like we were stupid we were like stealing shit dude we were we were shady i see but um yeah because uh, like the stuff's expensive too um the drug the dr- like this the vivans was really the only serious issue like there were some other things mm-hmm. but the vivans were definitely a gateway into some more serious things that i ended up doing that uh would definitely fuck me fuck me over later on but yeah i spent tons of money on drinking like we didn't really get into grade 11 where shit kind of hit the fan for me but um yeah i spent a ton of money which if we get into that later we can go over now in on tv and in in movies a lot of the time when uh when someone kind of acts out especially at your age which is pretty normal when 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 a kid starts acting out doing things just to be loud, making, you know, pulling attention to themselves. They like to say that it's because of maybe a lack of attention at home or something like that. Do you think that's, that has any truth for you specifically? I don't think so. I think it's also really different for everyone. Like mine was, like I said, uh, in grade 10, where it every, everything started, grade 11 hit the fan, but grade 10, it started. I was living with my mother, her boyfriend, her new baby. It was just a lot for me. Like it was a big change. And that was kind of, the thing like they tried to include me in this new family blended family that I didn't want to be a part of and like my mother's crazy like she's 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 definitely really fucked me up mentally with a couple things she um yeah she's just nuts man like I don't want to I'm not a doctor I can't really I don't want to diagnose anything but she'd have highs and lows she'd go like it was scary. Like I'd have friends over and she'd, she'd be screaming, like shouting at the top of her lungs. I fucking hate you all this. And then five minutes later, come down and ask if we wanted pizza or something. Like it, it was, it definitely did a lot because it, you never knew what mood she would be in. 
and that kind of uh that really fucked me up because you never knew what was what was coming like you'd think you were fine like we'd be sitting down watching a movie and then five minutes later just out of nowhere screaming rage and that's what led me to moving in with my dad i see and he's the big reason i was able to stop drinking because i never really told him about any of this in grade 10 and then grade 11 when it got serious we started talking working together how much he wanted me to stop drinking and then that eventually led me to fully stopped drinking about a year and a half later but eventually it's better than never uh, that actually that was someone else asked uh how was it hard to uh you know what was it like to discuss your addiction with your uh you know your your dad i guess like what what did you find was it was it easy on you was it were you afraid to talk about it or did you feel like you could really open up and I never really thought of it as an addiction up until very soon. Like I said, I stopped drinking just over four months ago. Okay. So it was like September 7th, sometime right. around there. That so only recently it kind of clicked. Yeah, because right, everyone drinks in high school. Not everyone, but tons of people party, drink in high school. You don't see anything of it. Because like, oh, everyone's doing it, especially with this COVID lockdown. It's made things so weird. But um, I started to notice like, like I said, in grade 11, going at like grade 11, all of last summer, I was getting into serious trouble. Yeah. Like not, like not little things. Like I was doing bad things because of drinking. At this point, there's no drugs. It's just excessive drinking, like every single day, like blacking out. Day drinking. I remember you, you drank yeah. mornings. And it's also who you surround yourself with. Um, like, when I stopped drinking, that's when I realized who a bunch of my friends were. Because my close friends, they're like, congratulations, good for you. Keep it up. And then I have some other friends who are like, you're being a pussy. Come have a beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what you know. And we're now I have a bunch of people saying, like, apologizing in the back. Like, good for you. Good for you Stop to stop drinking. But you definitely do realize, like, who, who actually fucks with you. Because, I like, I had a serious problem. Like, I would have ended up in jail or dead if I kept going in the way I was doing it. And they were just kind of cheering you on instead of pulling you yeah, aside. 100%. And that was definitely a, you know, that was a, a key factor in, you know, sh the Shane train. Yeah. And I, there was definitely a couple of my friends that were like, man, you should really try to stop. And I'd always, I'd be like, fuck you, fuck off. Like, I'm fine. It's nothing serious. And then it was kind of, it literally almost happened out of nowhere. And we're in September. It was like, I was just thinking about how unhealthy I was. Like I wasn't feeling well. I was sick all the time. I was starting to ruin friendships kind of. Um, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But yeah, going your, your question, talking to my dad, was it hard? Not really, because it was kind of like a long thing. Like it wasn't like we sat down and had a conversation. It was like over and over again. Every time I'd come home shit faced or something, like stop. Like you can see like when your parent is truly upset, like everyone, your parents get mad at you. That happens with everyone, but you can truly see like they're sad, disappointed. And I was just, I was like, fuck. Okay. Like I need to turn my shit around. Like this looks like it's draining him. Like he's tried so much, yeah. done so much for me and I'm just shitting the bed, throwing everything away. Yeah. So you felt, you felt guilty for, you know, not, not representing, not being a, maybe you felt like you weren't being a, a very great son. Yeah, that was definitely a big part where it's, he'd support me. He put so many things in place. Like he'd take alcohol at a house and anything like that, where he even went a long time without drinking too. I see. Um, and he's like, you could just see the disappointment. And do you ever, do you ever wish they were stricter earlier? Do you wish they kind of, 
or whoever it was in your life kind of, uh, you know, stopped you before it all started? Or are you glad that you were, you experienced the things you did? Bit of both. So like I said, my dad, I saw him on the weekends and in the winters in grade 10 when I kind of started, but it wasn't really bad then. Like it was just all playful, like I said. So he never really saw the bad stuff. Um, but then in grade 10, all my, like in grade 10, when I was getting in trouble, all of it was in Toronto. So when I was with my mother and I think it was the opposite, she was so strict with it would like take shit away, which uh, did I take shit away, throw shit. Like, and I think it's the opposite actually to be more relaxed. I feel like it would have been better because yeah. she's like taking, like, I remember I got suspended from school for like eight days. She like turned my wifi off, took my phone and it was winter. It's like, what do you expect me to do? with that without all of this in the cold I can't see my friends like that's really when I started like I'd start drinking alone all that stuff so at the end of the day I think it was you had to be more like they weren't strict with anything except my mother was like a Nazi about that the drinking where I get it but you can't push it that much because it led to me drinking way more Okay. And then it completely turned where she's like, drink, I don't give a fuck. She'd have drinks with me. Like it was a whole fucked up scenario. I see. Um, a lot of people were asking about withdrawal. Now, earlier you said that you, you didn't really, you, you, you told me that you didn't think of it as withdrawal, but that you definitely felt really like, like after going cold Turkey, like you definitely felt something. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into that. So in the summer, Okay, for starters, well, grade 10 with, like, the vibands and the drugs, that was, like, legitimate withdrawal, like, where, like, it was unpleasant. Like, I'd be shaking, I'd be panicking, like, I needed to get something, whatever it was, I needed something. Because those come downs are so ridiculous. Like I said, it's a dopamine release, like you were talking about before. So you're on, like, this high, high, high planet, and out of nowhere, it just disappears. So that is legitimate withdrawal. Like, I'm, like, literally, like, I'm scavenging for something to get. In class, right? Did you have any of these these feelings in class? Later, like at the end of the year. It wasn't really bad until like the end of the year. And that's kind of when I stopped going to school. Um, and then going into grade 11 with alcohol and stuff, it wasn't like withdrawal like that. In the summer, like I'd go on like these, like I was going on benders like three weeks at a time every single day. Um, when I was at my cottage where my mother lived, at the time so I was still I was with her in the summer a little bit even though we didn't get along I was there because I was working there so like we coexisted mm -hmm. that was when it kind of got bad again no drugs though just drinking a lot um and I didn't notice it I wouldn't necessarily call it withdrawal but because I was drinking all the time like I'd have a fucking white claw in the morning or something if I was hung over yeah but uh definitely withdrawal with the subs like the drugs but with alcohol it was more of like a moody, like it wasn't like physical withdrawals, but it was like, I fucking need this. Like, I remember a bunch of my friends, I lost friends for it too, because like, Shane, like, why the fuck do you need a drink right now? And I'm like, man, fuck off, like, fuck you, I need, I need my drink. So with drugs, it was more physical, and with alcohol, it was just a mental thing, like, I need, I need to drink, I need to drink, like, it calmed you down. I feel like alcohol, it was definitely withdrawal, like we're talking about, but it was more of a mental thing, like, it's even one sip, it kind of just calmed you down, like, your system just needed it. Now, uh, another, another good question. Uh, did you, uh, w when you, when you did feel like you were addicted, was there, 
did, did you think there was a stigma surrounding addiction and that like the fact that, oh, being addicted, you, you know, if, if you came out like that, maybe people would think you're weak or, it, you know, it would be a major flaw in your character. Do you think uh, that kind of stigma and negative light, uh, you think that worsened it? Do you think that made you less, less willing to kind of talk about your problem? So through grade 10, through like mid grade 11, the drugs, 100%, like the alcohol, everyone knew, um, everyone knew it was like some party animal. Like I loved it. I embraced it. Yeah. I thought it was cool at the time. Like, but people weren't laughing with me. They're laughing at me. So like, I thought like everyone, Oh, like chain train, chain train. But it's like, they're not cheering you on. Like they're your friend. It's like, I was like their entertainment. Exactly. So with the alcohol, I was fairly open about, but with the other substances, that was like very few people knew what was happening. Like that was very, it was right. very on the low. Like I, I do it to make myself happier. And you didn't want to come to tell anyone about it, obviously, because, well, I mean, yeah, it's got like a certain, you know, a ring to it. One might say like, yeah, 100% where I didn't really tell anyone about it. Cause it was like, I don't, you also don't want to admit it to yourself. Right. Yeah, exactly. Once you, it, once you say it out loud, you're kind of like, well, what, what am I doing with my life? And then when you did do that, you began to, you know, get back to your old self. Cause I remember you as this, you know, incredibly fit guy on the, uh, you know, you were on the football team. And then when I saw you in the summer, I was kind of like, what happened to Shane? Like, uh, you know, not in a bad way necessarily. I was just kind of worried for you because you didn't look anything like I, I remember I didn't look you. Healthy. Yeah. But you completely turned that around now after you, you know, reached a point of self-awareness. You decided, you know, it's time to stop. And here we are now. Yeah, for sure. That was a big thing too, which I never, I, I obviously, I'm, we're just talking about now for my fitness, the, like I, I, don't, I did a big transformation, whatever, but I never really thought anything of it until I wasn't necessarily looking at like my body, like I got better abs, muscles, things like that. It was, I looked at my face, how I looked healthier. Like before, like I always looked like my eyes were always baggy. I was always tired. Like I just, I looked like a bag of shit. Like had nothing to do with my physique at that point. It was just from a health aspect. Like I did not look healthy. And do you think, uh, do you think people started to notice other than just your immediate family? Do you think, uh, did you ever have friends coming to tell you like, you don't look so good? I, a couple of my close friends um would definitely say that and that um I didn't look good but like I said I also didn't care because I was living on like this cloud especially when I started TikTok back in May that's when drinking got big again well because for starters that's the start of the pandemic really like the lockdown yeah. like everyone no one really knows what's going on so I kind of found like the sense of uh what do you call it? Like worth in TikTok because I was blowing up on TikTok and it was satisfying of, you. Again. Yeah, thousands of followers, thousands of views. Like people were loving it. I was getting comments all the time, and it became when my drinking kind of calmed down for a little bit. It got back up again because I was like, like it was almost like I had to drink, post on TikTok, do all this stuff. Um, yeah. So for people who don't know, Shane, uh, Shane had a, or he still does have it, but Shane was really putting effort into this, this TikTok account. And uh, he was getting a lot of views off of drinking videos, whether it was, you know, trying drinks that people were commenting or even just talking about, uh, you know, like what your favorite drink says about you, those kind of videos. You were making a ton of them. And there was a lot of people 
there was a lot of people getting reached by those TikToks. Those TikToks were going around. You had tons of comments, tons of likes. And this, again, was just kind of promoting your unhealthy drinking behavior. And I don't think it helped at all. 100% because that was like, it's like a high in its own. Because like you said, with addiction, it doesn't have to be, addiction is dopamine. It's what whatever satisfies you. Like it can be whatever, like some people can be weird addictions. Like you could be, you could love chips so much that when you eat chips, you're fucking, you're just going crazy. You love it. Like dopamine. Oh my God, these ruffles taste amazing. It doesn't have to be a substance. You're addicted to the, to the feeling. And for me, that was like, oh, seeing these thousands of likes come in, like all this, all of this, like love. It was like, oh, like it was fucking overpowering. I loved it. So I do whatever I could to keep that. And that meant drinking every day. Now, here in Canada, uh, you know, uh, a very big group who is known all throughout North America. I'm sure everyone knows who I'm talking about. Do you think the Nelk videos and their kind of culture of full send and, you know, going hard, Steve will do its whole drinking. Do you think that had an impact on you? Because I feel like you were a big fan at some point. Yeah, so... Like I said, that's also with addictive personalities is one I've realized I've had. I remember because before it was Shane Train, Shane will do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chugging liquor, all of that stuff. Like I remember on my Snapchat stories, like I'd get a tons of ads because I'd post videos on my story of me like chugging bottles in my room. And that was uh, obviously uh, inspiration from, again, the, the Nelk boys. So although, you know, their videos can be entertaining, do you think that they're a a very bad example for uh for teens growing up do you think they're promoting a a bad habit like bad drinking habits bad you know just social culture do you think he, I, I hate to say it because like i said they were such inspirations i mean they, like they're such cool fun guys yeah but i think it has to be 50 50 because there's tons of people like most of my friends are older right they're in university they party all the time like they get shit faced they black out all that and they're fine and they love Nelk, which is fine. But then you also have some other people. I'm sure there's more people like myself that they just can't handle it. Like they're bad drinkers who do stupid things when they get drunk. Like they fight. They do stupid things. They get in trouble. They cause fuckery. Um, and where I think it does promote, um, you know, some bad behavior that definitely, like, especially like, I know, like, I, I know like some 11 and 12 year olds that watch Nelk and it's like, I think it's really impacting people more than people are talking about because yeah, they're like these fun guys, but they're Icons. promoting drug use and um, alcoholism. Yeah. Which I don't want to sound like that guy. Like, cause I used to be that guy, but it definitely was an impact on me like I wanted to be exactly like those guys like my goal was to be in Nelk I'd buy all their merch I wanted to be them I tagged them I'd comment on all their videos hoping they'd respond like those guys are like my heroes and that definitely didn't help not at all and like I said it's nothing against them that was also me specifically because I couldn't I was just like I said not everyone has a drinking problem I was a bad drinker sometimes it's just genetics people get angry when they drink I was one of those guys now you say you say you know some people that you know they drink and they're they're perfectly fine. I think uh, you know maybe that's just because with all I knew about you, I guess I never partied with you. But when I thought of Shane, I was like, oh yeah, Shane drinks, but you know, he's fine. Like there's nothing wrong. Like, he's, he just drinks, you know. So maybe deep down, you know, 
everyone's got a little bit of an issue. We just don't always see it. Yeah. This is also one thing I'd say too, is the perfect way I describe myself when people ask about my issue, I'd call like, I'd call myself like a bipolar drunk because sometimes it'd be the awesome. I'm dancing on tables, this, and then other times I'll be fucking screaming, throwing chairs across the room where it's also too, I've done some little research on my own. Like I'm not a big research guy. I'm kind of a loafer, but just to be so curious, like I hated it because obviously I want to be able to, I'd love to be able to have a couple of beers with the boys right now, but I, I just can't do it because I'm worried. I'm scared for what I could do because my problem that's like, I drank a lot, but mine was binge drinking. Like I could go a couple of days without drinking fine. Like that was never the issue. But like, then when I you would, like, I, I couldn't do what I do now. Like I could never do cold Turkey. Like, but I didn't necessarily have to drink every day. I did mm. a bunch, but there was also times where I'd only drink once or twice a week. My problem was binge drinking. It's when I started, I couldn't stop. Like one beer would turn into a blackout. And yeah, that, uh, that is where the issue was for me was drinking way too much. And like I said, that's where it sucks because there's some nights where I'd just, I'd be awesome. I'd have a fun time. And there's other nights where I just lose my shit. And I think a bunch of that comes too from just pent up aggression, rage, all the rage I've had for everything with my mother and just everything else happening. It's just, I keep it all inside because I don't want to lash out. But then when you're drunk, you're not telling yourself to keep it in. So you're just taking out random rage, even though it has nothing to do with anything happening. It's just, you let it out because you can't control it anymore when you're intoxicated. And how many days are you sober now? Uh, I don't count specifically, but 100 it's, over, and something. it's like over a hundred now. Yeah. So now it's too big of a risk to even have a beer because you've been doing so well and you just know you're the kind of guy that, you know, one, one thing will probably lead to another and then you'll be. Yeah. That that's actually the a whole thing too, where it's a bunch of it is where there's for start, I'm a really stubborn person. Yeah. So for starters, I don't want to break like, that day like 100 days is a, it's a fucking long time like, i want to keep setting a new high record yeah like i want i want to keep getting higher and yeah. it's also too for starters like fitness has been a big part of my life now too like yeah. i'm obsessed like i might i might get into like bodybuilding legitimately and try to compete that's something i'm talking with a coach about um and alcohol is not good for that whatsoever but that that's not my decision not to drink it has nothing to do with my physique that's just another factor to it now but it's also because like you said it's i don't i've worked so hard to get to where i am right now like i'm finally doing well in school like for people that knew me before like i'd be happy if i passed a test like i'd be i'd smile if i got a 50 like and for anyone in toronto fuck off i'm not a blithe anymore so my grades actually i'm working for yeah and like I have like an 87 average right now, which is like the highest I've ever had. And that like taking university courses is something where it's like I'm truly proud of myself right now. Like I never yeah. thought for the life of me I'd be able to go to university, and now that is a not just a possibility. Like I see it almost as a guarantee with the marks I'm getting right now. And um, so it's it's interesting to think that pretty much the only thing that's changed from now and then is alcohol and substance abuse. So the yeah, second that stopped was ruining my life, you, you got to your full potential. It was kind of holding you back, but you know, that is the perfect way I'd word it. And, uh, you say that a lot of times with you lashing out while, while you're drunk, you say that it was because you had a lot of built up rage, built up anger. Now, do you think you're channeling that, all of that rage into your fitness and into your, your, your workouts? Do you think it's, 1, it's the same 000, thing? I love that you said that 1000%.
Like that's why even my dad's noticed that too, because like I said, I, I don't talk to my mother and she's very egotistical. Like she, she tries to fuck things up. Like she tried to, I, I couldn't start my school until my second semester because she blocked my transfers. Like she, she doesn't want to see me succeed without her. It's like a weird attachment. She wants to be there. And so if I, if I'm not with her, she wants me to fail. And so there definitely is a bunch of rage, but I'm channeling it through the working out. Like my dad sees that too. Like when gyms closed, he came up to me, he said, whatever you need, we will get like, because he said the gym, it's not like wow. I can see for some people it's a hobby, but he's like, I think like, this is a big part of you. Like you need it. It's good for your mental health as well. And it completely is because before where I'd go chug a bottle of liquor to, to get down, like I go and flick pain in the gym, like I'll lift heavy. I'll go until I can barely lift anymore. And where the gym truly did save me too, because like you said, it was a way of dealing with the pain, like the anger, everything like that. I could take it all out at the gym. Do you think gyms are essential? Do you think they should have been opened up? It should 1000% be open. With regulations, of course, you know. Yes. And my gyms had regulations. Like we, there was 10 people in our gym. Yeah. You had, did you have to like uh, sign in before? Like you have to say when you're yeah. coming? So that, that's why it sucked too, because I can't drive. I just, I, I never got my driver's license because I was always, when I had my alcoholism, I was worried about drinking and driving. So now I'm going to get my license because I don't have any drinking issues, but I can't because it's closed. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I can, I could only go at a certain time, right? Cause Collingwood, it's like really spread out. So I'd have to go right after school. So there was only 10 people out in the gym. So spots would book up. So that was annoying, but there definitely were gyms in place. I mean, not gyms, like, sorry, precautions in place. And um, yeah, I, I completely think gyms are an essential service because there's a bunch of people out there like me, not necessarily struggling with substance abuse, but mental, mental health, like mental health was a big thing that came with the sub my substance problems that um, I was very quiet about. I don't really like to complain. I kind of like to just get shit done myself, but a bunch of people are dealing with mental health and the gym is a great way to combat that because it's another way, gym, you release all the endorphins, the dopamine, like the gym alone can be like a little high. So it yeah. helps because it releases that dopamine. It makes you feel good again. So I think 1000% gym should be open. It also makes you healthier, right? Like we're, we're fighting in a pandemic right now. We want all want to be the healthiest we can be. Yeah. And I think a lot of people being at home has led to some, uh, you know, unhealthy eating habits or unhealthy, just living habits. So having the gyms open, especially since a lot of people don't have the privilege of a home gym or having, exactly some, some uh exactly. something like, around to work out with yeah like my buddy he, he has a bench and a couple dumbbells like nothing serious but it's just something yeah. and like even guys just go for a run do something i'm telling you it will help your mental health drastically too like at first working out you don't like it then it becomes part of your routine you need it and now okay. uh now you have your your fitness tiktok which is separate from the tiktok that you got famous for drinking from and i i understand why you wouldn't want to associate yourself as much with that because you're kind of turning it you've turned a new leaf and uh you don't get as many views yeah you know at the end of the day who cares because at least yeah. you're promoting something healthy and you know yeah so that was a big thing too where people were confused about is because like i said i had like 25 26 i think it was like almost twenty six thousand followers on my yeah. other account and when my account completely died when i stopped drinking 
and people are like, why don't you revive it? For starters, I'd post fitness stuff and then it would get new, no views. I want to try to build something around fitness. Like I built that off, off alcoholism and addiction. I want to build something with my new passion. So, you know, yeah. if it doesn't blow up, it doesn't blow up, but I'm going to work, work at it. And, you know, we'll, we'll hope for the best because fitness is a true passion of mine right now. It's got me through this pandemic. It's it helped me get through my really bad addiction and fitness kind of surrounds my life right now. So do you skip leg days? <laughs> um, during lockdown, I'm not, I, I am skipping leg days during lockdown, God. but, uh, in the gym, I, I, I do do legs twice a week. I don't like it, but, uh, I do do it, but not during the lockdown. I'm, I'm enjoying myself during the lockdown. And, uh, do you have any, any tips for people who want to get into working out, but just like really just cause personally I found whenever I, cause I have little, like little months where I do. And then, and then I completely fall off. Like I completely cut carbs over the summer, did shit like that, went for runs. And then like when school started again, I just couldn't because I am a, you know, a stress eater. I, I stress a lot for pretty much nothing. And then that just makes me eat. And yeah, so, so it's really hard to just kind of push just over the hill and get back into it. Do you have any tips for someone who who's debating whether it's time? Yeah. So a couple of things like that's actually funny that you said. So I'm the same way. I used to be a big binge eater. That was when, like when I was younger growing, I was never obese, like, but I was, I wasn't in good shape growing up. Like I was a little overweight. Like I wasn't like fucking like a hippo, but I mean, like I, 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 I wasn't in great shape. So I, 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 uh, I did binge eat too, and there's definitely ways you can combat that. But, uh, that was a big thing too. When I quit drinking, I just had the urge to binge eat. So that was me. I made the whole, all the, the massive lifestyle change at once, no drinking, go healthy workout. And I felt like it helped me, but for people trying to get into working out, it doesn't have to be weight and the carbs thing, but I was like that at first too, but carbs are not the enemy whatsoever. Like I'm I'm very lean right now and I have tons of carbs. I get that YouTube video all the or the the YouTube ad with like the really shredded guy that's always like like I eat pizza, I eat, you know, cake yeah, every day. You got to get like me. Like you can do all of that 100%. It's about how much you eat, not what you eat. Like I still eat a ton of food to stay lean, but it's just substituting things like uh like McDonald's cheeseburgers. They're they're like four McDonald's cheeseburgers is like 2000 calories. That's how much I'll eat in a day substitute that like i have a pound of ground turkey a couple times a week like that's 500 calories it will keep With the eggs right? it's just substituting things to eggs yeah it's just substitute like for binge eaters guys it's substituting things like oats oats are a great thing to help you with binge eating because they'll keep you full they're low in calories things like that and as far as you said is working out you got it doesn't have to be weight training find something you enjoy like for me personally for cardio i'm awful at basketball but i love playing basketball basketball People don't talk about it enough. Basketball is amazing cardio, way better than you for jogging because it's fun and you don't notice it. But when you're playing pickup with the boys, you're sprinting down the court, everything like that. Like you were getting in a good workout. It doesn't have to be lifting weights. Find something you enjoy. Like for me, I like lifting weights. It's therapeutic. That's what I do. But like cardio, basketball is a great workout. Swimming, tennis, cycling, anything like that. Like find something you enjoy because if it's sustainable, it's going to be the best. Yeah, those are some... Some great points. And uh, do you, uh, okay, when, just to get back into the addiction thing, uh, when do you think, at what point were you at your lowest? 
Um, the worst part, like the worst days of your, you know, your addiction and just your problems. I'd probably say grade 11, like right before COVID hit, I was in Toronto for a couple months. Like I, I was in Toronto from like, like I ski every weekend. So I was with my dad during like on the weekends and stuff like that. But I was in Toronto for a bit because I was going to Blythe from like February up until like January up until March, like a two month span there. And that was when I'd say I was at my lowest. Like I was just drinking, doing something I shouldn't. That was a big low point. I'm only asking this because I just want to end it off on, on one point. If you right now could go back to that guy, go back to you at your lowest. What, what are you saying to that guy? I'd punch him in the fucking mouth. (laughs) I'd be, I'd tell him he was being an idiot. Yeah. Um, also, too, a big thing of that that led to that, too, I think, like I said, growing up in Markham, everything was really sheltered, right? So I didn't really know. Like, I remember I was like a weird – I was like a little weirdo coming into high school. Like, I didn't know anything. So I felt like if I had, like, that middle school experience, like, it seems like a bunch of people did stuff in middle school. that like, I, I didn't do anything. I was too sheltered that it kind of all hit me at once. So one thing I wish, like, everyone, you can't say don't drink. Don't – like, that's not going to happen. In high school, you're going to experiment with things no matter what. I would have stayed away from the harder substances and 100% I could have stopped myself from doing that. But I wish I wasn't as sheltered a little bit because like I said, it all kind of hit me at once. When if I had like little experiences through middle school, like having a beer here or trying something there, I would have known more rather than just hopping into like this big diving in head first, diving in head first to a shit storm. Well, there you have it guys. Just to, uh, you know, recap, uh, you know, Shane's had uh, an interesting past and he's been able to fully overcome it, living his best life now, all through, you know, his interests in fitness. And now he's back into academics, hoping to uh, do an extra semester at school just for football, right? Yeah. So that just goes to prove, you know, if you're down, if you think there's, you know, if you think there's nothing left for you, just just find the one thing that makes you happy and that you can sustain. And then I'm, I promise you just, you can see from Shane as an experience, you can make it out of the hole and, you know, turn your life around. Shane, thank you so much for coming on. I, I knew the second I made this podcast, I wanted to have you on because you have so much to tell. And uh, thank you for taking the time out of your, your morning at 9.30 a.m. <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. See you, buddy. Bye, man. There you have it, folks. That was the end of the second episode of the Informal Education Podcast. As always, if you have any thoughts or feedback you want to give to me, make sure I hear it because I really do love hearing what you guys have to say. And finally, I want to reiterate, if you feel alone going through any addiction mental health issue, or substance abuse, I'm always here for you. Your friends are here for you. Your parents are there for you. There's people in your life that care about you, and I just hope all of you know that. Thank you guys for watching, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.